We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about I go ahead and address the larger than average elephant in the room? No, I have never coached the sport that you folks call football. And heck, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. <laughs> Hold on now. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10 second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports Podcast, where all movies are sports movies. I am your host, Kyle Bandujo, and we are getting down to The Wire and Ted Lasso, Season 3, Episode 10. Me, Alex McDaniel, Caroline Darney breaking this one down before we get into it. Want to shout out our big chill producer-level patrons of the Big Screen Sports Patreon group. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Yeager, Mike Drees, Chris Mykoski, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Rich, Jason Alba, Stephen DeBoe, Dan McFall, Kevin Inkleman, Mac Lindsay, Kurt Ritchie, Robert Dove, Jim Scroggs, Andrew Teagle, and Classic Staying Fire. Big thanks to them, all of our patrons, for supporting the show and bearing with us throughout this season of Ted Lasso. For the folks who, who are not Lasso fans, uh, we have a lot of awesome movies and stuff on tap for when Lasso wraps. But for now, we have uh, two after this two weeks left of show that has been an absolute delight uh, for the last three years. And it, I, I'm, you know, knock on wood, looks like they're landing the plane. Uh, this was one of my favorites. I think we should dive right in. Me, Alex McDaniel and Caroline Darney of For the Win, uh, breaking this one down. Season three, episode 10. All right, returning to big screen sports for to break down Ted Lasso's season three, episode 10. We're, we're getting there from For the Win and Bet for the Win. Alex McDaniel, Caroline Darney. Ladies, if you were opening a restaurant combining two types of food, like Nigerian food and Chicago style hot dogs, what's the move? <laughs> Why does my brain go to P.F. Chang's and? <laughs> Mine is Italian and. Um, chicken on a stick from the Chevron. Ooh, okay, I'm going to Alex's restaurant. That's good. That's that's a good one. That's a really good one. Um, I, yeah. I think I'm just, going just like barbecue and like P.F. Chang's, like a Chinese restaurant or something. Like, I just want a place that I'm going to walk out of and I feel terrible. Like, I enjoyed <laughs> everything, but I'm going to be hurting for like five hours. Like, my yeah. restaurant might be called Pain. This <laughs> <laughs> cheery. Yeah. coming soon to a neighborhood near you well tell us about the content before we dive into what's going on what what kind of content are we working with right now 
guys i'm watching all the fast and the furious movies i've seen that i've I've finally broken into i've seen now fast ampersand furious which is different from the fast and the furious which was the first one um so we're now back somewhere on the timeline which is there's a distinction so because they named the fourth one fast and furious which is i think very confusing like what it's the same name and then now on like streaming things they call it the fast and the furious like the original so like try and like help people out so uh one of my few one of my few notes not a lot of notes for this series because it's perfect (laughs) you're about to see fast five and fast five is legit perfect so I almost started it a couple times today, but because so many people had told me that I wanted to make sure that I could like watch all of it in one sitting um, because I want to pay proper respect to Fast Five that I've uh, heard is required. Um, I did not know Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot, however the pronunciation is there, did not know she was in these. So don't know if she comes back at all, but she was in the fourth one. Um, and I don't believe them when they tell me anyone is dead because they said Han died. And then well, the very, well, I mean, okay, there's one. <laughs> there's one. Poor one out for the, it's, uh, the, the hold that Paul Walker had over 2001, Caroline, 2000, oh. 2001. Lance I think we've Harbor, talked about QB, the skulls. QB1 <laughs> and Varsity Blues, the real QB1. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> I mean, I'm so excited for you to to watch Fast Five. I'm pretty pretty stoked. So this should be. I'm hoping to um, either work on maybe ranking them. Maybe I just write about my experience watching them. Like I just watched all the Fast and the Furious movies. Here's how it went. Uh, maybe it's like the most ridiculous moments. Uh, I might do an over under post for like things that'll happen in the movie, like explosions, times they say family, et cetera, et cetera. So you know the content. The content. The content is always going at for the win everyone go check it out but tonight we are talking about ted lasso season three episode 10 international break well some of the greyhounds head home for play to play for their countries in international matches edwin akufu brings a business proposal to rebecca guys what is the what is the question what is the main takeaway from this episode what got answered what uh what, what's the main theme here alex i will start with you I don't know if I call it the main theme, but I know as far as an answered question, Roy Keeley Endgame, everyone. Roy Keeley Endgame. It happened. Okay, I I don't want to rain on a parade. I don't want to rain on a parade, but I am now worried that it happened too soon and too easily. I I don't know if that's like me being scared, but... Just relax. Let it wash over you. It was beautiful. The the letter, uh, I felt very both seen and attacked with her being like, I can't read your handwriting. (laughs) It was so bad. The length of time she spent trying to is what got me. She stared forever. But yes, I don't think it's like, but I I think there's also going to be like a marriage proposal. Maybe we talked about this last season. Didn't, wasn't the, wasn't my wild prediction that Roy and Keely would get married and then it would like zoom out and you'd see Ted and Michelle sitting together at the wedding. And that so, sounds um, right. I mean, I've come up with crazier theories, let's be honest. But uh, yeah, it was lovely and perfect. And everything Roy was perfect. Everything Roy and Jamie was perfect. Um, we got a bit of closure-ish on KJPR. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack sucks. The board decided to stop funding 
um we got barbara to stick around though which is great yeah um so i think that you know again you know we talked about this before we started recording but they need bringing keely back into the fold is like the most important thing to close out the last two episodes i think because it's just been that was some of the stuff in the first two seasons that was so great like her helping the team is what like their interactions with roy like all this stuff is great so getting them back on screen together is incredible um and we saw a ton of i think the other big thing we saw obviously a ton of growth with nate and we saw a ton, huge nate storyline obviously mm-hmm. like in the first minute we find out he's no longer with west ham and then what six or seven minutes into the episode we find it's because he quit um and then rebecca is free of rupert huge development like, i mean massive massive development because that is that is what started this show was yeah. a scorned rebecca wanting revenge and that was one of the early stressors in this season was rebecca still being consumed yeah. by revenge and she's so unbothered by that piece of shit now that she can hang up that ridiculously expensive painting that would buy all the houses on my block if it was sold <laughs> <laughs> well and it's the the speech she gave we can get, get into that i guess with like the scenes but the speech she gave just shows her growth because it's what she tried to do she tried to take the team away from the people that loved it not him per se but like and i think i'm maybe a little more romantic about that scene because i just finished welcome to Wrexham a few weeks ago <laughs> and so this idea of like the team belongs to the, the fans um was really still like in the back of my head um and so it's almost as if she's telling it's the balance right because what is she the first thing she says to akufu after he like they hand it out and they're like this was like a great idea she's like is this a fucking joke which is the first question that ted got at the press conference when she brought ted in to run richmond so it's it's the mirroring of that idea of like it's she realized now that this isn't a joke et cetera, et cetera, the deep thoughts and whatever but um how much the team and the relationships and the relationship with the city and all that stuff that it actually matters to them now, how much it matters to her. I think the show has started putting some things to bed too. Yeah. If, if I am, if I am just being like chicken little and, and, uh, and assuming the worst with Roy, if I'm wrong with that, and if that, that instinct in me is wrong and Roy and Keeley are the Roy and Keeley that we have wanted that I particularly have really wanted and needed together that is kind of that that is settled that is put to bed so what are you worried will happen i'm sorry to interrupt. yeah i'm i'm worried so what actually what i wouldn't be worried at all but we haven't seen the scene of them sitting on the bed together when it's jamie the trailer house. and my worry is that is some sort of conversation of them coming to an understanding yeah. of like you know, maybe we're better off as friends or maybe, no. you know, we rushed into, I listen, I don't, I don't want it. I'm just speaking my insecurities, but I get the, what you're saying. Yeah. Cause they do mm-hmm. look like they've reached uh, an understanding and they have that look of like, I'm not saying it's totally the case. It's just, it's definitely like, Oh, you know, I love you. I'll always love you. Mm-hmm. This is where we part ways. And that, that I has me worried. They were not for that. that again, guys. Cause here's the thing. I think, everyone like almost everyone main character everyone is going to get some sort of semblance of a happy ending because this is ted lasso like you know and what that look what the happy ending is might vary in people's minds but like who's but like 
Ted is going to be back with Henry and probably mm-hmm. Michelle because I, I think we all agree like there's no way that they're going to stay split up with sharing co-parenting duties with Henry that's ridiculous like it's just not going to just the way that the relationship is right now I'm not saying for everyone out there who has this situation it's not ridiculous whatever um but I just think they're going to all be back together whether it's in Kansas or Michelle and Henry come over like I think that's going to happen so um Roy and Keeley Jamie has had his growth Nate is going to ha- is going to fix those relationships so he's starting to mend now like Rebecca has shed the Rupert devil like there's just big motion big moments happening that I think they're not going to set it up where like Roy gets left at the altar or something (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I just don't think they would do that to us like just be too sad when I think we're getting Ted is going to be able to leave Richmond with some sort of title or some sort of big accomplishment and also it's like he's raised the child like the team will be ready to stand on its own and keep doing things the lasso way even if Ted is not there yeah. Um, like we're, we're getting close to that. Cause again, Rebecca says at the end, like, I still want to win, but for all of us for Richmond and that it seems like will be the main on field storyline on pitch of the last two episodes. If that's what Richmond's work, apparently they can't lose now. Um, so it looks <laughs> like they will be, you know, they will be in striking distance of winning the premier league and taking down. I would assume that either West Ham or man city is the big bad waiting at the end of the, uh, waiting at the end of the door because they still haven't beat man I think city it's man city i think it's man city so they made haven't they made two references this season about them being the big bad mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Man city, the place where i danced in college or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah i could see that anyway go on sorry i'm just well, um, all sorts of shit stuff me all the time I thought. no i i want to talk about keely um okay, it's a great. it was a weird it was a very up and down keely episode because like we see Keely at one point in this episode depressed drunk, really, like at her lowest low of the season. And by the end of the episode, she has financing from someone who's not a piece of shit, who's her best friend. She has Roy back. She has her confidence back. She has uh, Barbara back as her second in command, her CFO. It, it seems like KJPR actually has real momentum for the first time for most of the season. Like we've been, seems like she's been really unsure of herself, but she's like ready to take on the world now. Like it seems like Keely went from worst to first in one episode. Yeah, I would argue that her worst has kind of been growing. (laughs) Like it's kind of been worst all season. And actually, um, shout out to the Lasso cast who I joined last night. They brought up a really interesting point that I hadn't thought about. They're like, what does Keely do? Like outside of watching the commercial, that we did but like the scene where rebecca asks keely if, if she gave ted talking points and she's like oh i haven't done that in a long time it's like you're supposed to like <laughs> why aren't you around more when trent's there not like her specifically but like you know it was a it's a very like we've talked about those rom-coms like how to lose guy in 10 days and all that and how they just show this totally you know insane view of like how things work but you never got a sense of what they did and what she did outside of what she felt like she had to do. And so, you know, of course you're going to fail in that situation. I feel like she didn't even know what a CFO was. No one prepared her. She just like, they threw money at her and like, go do this. And she wanted to do really well, but she wasn't equipped to do it. 
and now you know she's got Rebecca and so I think things have changed but she's like the classic example of like somebody who failed not because they're a villain not because of karma not because they've done something terrible to deserve it sometimes you do your best and you fail yeah and and that's kind of been her whole thing so I would like that to stop how had she never been to May's pub before? <laughs> I thought it was so weird, right? <laughs> like, I mean, she is like when we meet her, she's a relatively pretty famous model. Like, I guess yeah. like maybe they, I don't know, and I don't sure, know how close but... the pub seems close to like where Ted and Beard live in their like team appointed flat. Yeah, so it's right not necessarily there. like where she's like gallivanting around. But it, and you I guess can't it's go not into that where... place as a famous model. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is, but I was still kind of like, oh my God. Cause I really enjoy also every scene that May has had this season has yeah. been 10 out of 10. No notes. She's fantastic. Her comedic delivery is excellent. She always has the little nugget of wisdom. Like, you know, shit helps things grow. Like, you know, I wrote down, I'm wondering is, is May like a 600 year old kind of wise witch <laughs> who has lived lifetimes and just has all this wisdom and pops in with the perfect, like, She'll it's end the, the show last, with like that's all the, folks the last episode's gonna be like may she hasn't worked here since <laughs> 1912 <laughs> like whatever like ted's gonna be like oh you haven't you know oh, i was talking to may and they're like there's no one named may who works here. whatever may was actually a red cross nurse who was signing in all those world war one vets from the, in the cursed training room <laughs> that's too many ghosts <laughs> and it zooms in on like the old photo of her at a party <laughs> Like hundred years ago. It's like the nice version of The Shining. (laughs) The pub hasn't been open in 40 years. Whoa. (laughs) We've gone off the rails. They're like, the pub's not even open. Jason and Brandon are listening to this right now. I'm like, fuck, we got found out. (laughs) We missed an opportunity. If that were even remotely true, we wouldn't have said anything we've said so far. (laughs) It'd be a very dressed up podcast. That's my biggest fear is them listening. (laughs) Well, now Mike's friends with all of them. He'll send it along. Yeah. 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 But anyways, Keely, good episode. Good episode for Keely. Um, I want to talk about Rupert. The man (laughs) who we have... A villain category named for, yeah, speaking speaking of. It was just Caroline's laugh that got me. (laughs) (laughs) So we get a few context clues. So so Nate has, since the last episode, Nate has quit. Nate has decided Mm -hmm. that he does not want to be someone who works for Rupert. He doesn't appreciate the kind of person that Rupert is. Nate is, is willing to make amends, and we'll talk about Nate. But Rupert, so... We hear from Trent. So we see Nate has quit. We hear from yep. Trent just kind of in a in a sideline that he's heard rumors of workplace malfeasance or something at West Ham. Inappropriate behavior in the workplace. Inappropriate uh, behavior in the workplace. Yeah. Uh, Rupert has a new assistant who is mm-hmm. who is like uh, object not doesn't look like Rupert's old assistant. Yes. Um, and is more than willing to tell him about the his fecal test results in public, which is, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're going to be an assistant, that's, that's probably not the move. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not here to judge someone for, for the job they do. Uh, he looks he looks kind of depressed, like he looks kind of sad. He thinks he's thinks he's going to have a moment with Rebecca. He doesn't. We've been kind of wondering how will Rupert get his comeuppance? 
Um, if it was just getting divorced, I, I said this in our group text, but if it, they did the same thing over, like Bex catches him cheating, he gets divorced, he loses the team. Like he, he's the first billionaire who has bad lawyers. Like that just won't happen. <laughs> fool, yeah. fool me. Yeah. Fool me once, fool me twice kind of thing. I think Rupert is getting me too or second. I, I think Rupert is like London Daniel Snyder. I think he is just going to get shamed out of owning West Ham. Yeah. I, I think this has been, and that's, you know, I think some people will look at it and be like, Nate just quit suddenly because like, what? and as, it's all the little things over time that he got to witness. It was the way that, you know, the way he talked about Ted, the way he talked about Rebecca, the cheating blatantly, <laughs> brazenly with his assistant, the thing at the boys night, whatever all stuff. Um, yeah. It's crimed for some sort of sexual harassment scandal, like hundred percent where it's just that made that I agree that's that was my thought like that's how it's gonna unravel I thought that was gonna be like kind of how um yeah I just thought that was gonna be how it unravels too because he's just been no one's ever called him (laughs) I mean he got divorced but and the thing that's so fascinating to me or what I loved in his seeming like weakness if you will like when he was reaching out to Rebecca and the he was so thrown off every single time she stood up to him, like whether it was when she first came into her office and he was in there and she was like, next time make an appointment. You could see kind of, he was like, oh. And then all of the stuff at the lunch, like when he makes a move and she rejects it, like he's so used to her still reacting, whether that's like still in love with him or sad about the baby or he could always get a reaction out of her he wanted and he wasn't getting and he got none of it this episode and you could tell that was kind of the last thing that shook him from like when watching it that's what I thought was like he's toast like he can't even get in his mind he's like I'll always have this like power over Rebecca and he doesn't have that anymore like nope get out of here Alex do we think Rupert's cooked by next episode yeah, I don't think it. I mean, I don't think it's as clear cut though as, like, oh man, the villain got his due. <laughs> I think there's more to it. Like, I truly think he sincerely invited Rebecca to this meeting for a reason. Like, he felt like she should be there. I don't think he was doing it out of typical Rupert meanness. And mind you, everything I'm about to say, I'm not absolving him of anything. This is a man who's hurting for some reason. For what reason, we will probably find out. Um, I'm guessing it's more about the divorce and the, I don't think it would be sexual harassment just because I don't know how a show, well, I've been wrong before, but I don't know how this show could possibly say that a seemingly consensual relationship at work, which we all know when the power dynamics are there, it is not exactly consensual, but that's another conversation for another day. His assistant did not appear to, appear to be bothered by his advances, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It would be very hard for them to build a, Oh, can you believe this misconduct at work when you've got AFC Richmond over here with like, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't know if they'd open that. Maybe they will though, but I do think something has happened at home because yeah. he just seems like a really broken man. And he seems like he's, he's turning, even the way he texts her, you know, like I forget what he says, but like not trying to put pressure on you. Like he's, he's in a mode of like, I don't know if like, it's just desperation or sadness or what, but, and even his interactions with her, he's not snarky. He's, no. he's none of those things. And when she starts telling that story and he's deeply moved by it, and even when yeah. he 
tries to kiss her. He, he doesn't have the same, like, I can do this because I can do anything. Like, I think he was really looking for comfort in the wrong place. And it startled him because he's got to accept whatever his new reality is. Again, that's not me saying let's love Rupert now because we can't <laughs> fuck Rupert. No. It's just, I do think he's in a very low place that will come out. And the fact that we don't know why Nate quit. So interesting. I think that's also something that shook him to his core too, because he looks at Nate working there as part of this, like stick it to Rebecca, stick it to Richmond. Like, yeah. you know, he came over, he, you know, defector, traitor, et cetera. And to have that, you know, what he says, like, you know, he wasn't ready for the opportunity when it was given to him. Was someone was like what she, when yeah. she asked what happened with Nate Shelley. Um, some people just aren't ready for the opportunity when it presents itself or something like that. Um, that for someone that was so power hungry, like Nate was that what he did, his behaviors is what we are assuming sits on the heels of us seeing Nate leave the boys night, whatever, um, is something that was like, unacceptable and i think with the new assistant that to me screams wife found out demands that he hires a new assistant type thing yeah like i i also think there is something to rebecca us getting the backstory of rupert's relationship to richmond because in the episode where uh rebecca eventually lures zava to come to um to come to richmond she mentioned something to rupert oh i thought richmond was your love or something like that and and rupert makes some snarky comment that she, you know we can we can easily see as a metaphor to like him and women as well but it is much different to hear that rupert was and like i just make a the i always made the assumption just like i you think of most most sports owners are not these diehard fans of their teams and, and just like most billionaires are not like i picked myself up by my bootstraps and i'm a self-made man like they're rich people who are buying this as um as a dick measuring contest and because it's a great financial asset that always appreciates um rupert actually we mentioned daniel snyder actually similar seems kind of like daniel snyder in a lot of ways like daniel snyder did not grow up wealthy he was in some ways self-made man through some very some some pretty shady business practices in, in some form or fashion but grew up this diehard redskins fan or washington football team fan who wanted to own the team and eventually did that and did a horrible job and is a terrible person rupert we find out had this lifelong love for richmond couldn't afford tickets had this deep you know deep desire mm-hmm. found a way to make hundreds of millions of dollars in 25 years like it seems like he was a very young man when he purchased that purchased the club so i think there is something to and i i don't know what i don't have a theory behind this but i think there is something to how much of that team rupert actually did love and was trying to pretend like he did not love like yeah. that is that is truly we find out that is truly like i thought you would assume that all the other owners in that place were became rich guys and then we're just like hey this is something i can do like most sports teams owners are and this was the thing rupert wanted to do so i think we are we're gonna get something with that and we're gonna see some sort of pain point of like he really is still devastated that he doesn't own richmond anymore which good because fuck him and that's i mean that's that's my my corner there (laughs) it really it hurt it hit deeply listening to that because at least for me you immediately go back to season one and again like not defending him but this wasn't just a rich guy who bought a team he loved this team Mm -hmm. and 
she hated him so much, which good on you, girl, um, that she wasn't just determined to take away a rich guy's toy. She wanted to burn down the thing he loved she since childhood. Run it Do you know how into the ground. <laughs> Do you know how much you have to hate a person to be like, what did the eight-year-old version of you love? <laughs> I'm going I'm for that. Ruin it. I'm going to destroy it. Um, which makes it even more cynical. And we just we love Rebecca. Right, so- unfortunately, she did that. She that she started that plan by hiring the nicest person in the world instead of just like hiring Hugh Freeze. Like <laughs> Richmond would oh. be in ashes right now. Yeah, that. <laughs> that's another podcast. And, and then, and then Rupert, would, and then Rupert would have brought him to West Ham. That's a match made in heaven. It's Rupert and Hugh Freeze. <laughs> Rupert, Hugh, I don't want to. Everyone, go listen to Split Zone Duo. Subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> Shout out Stephen Godfrey. <laughs> yeah. I I will say anyone who has not listened to his mm. on the Split Zone Duo Patreon, his episode, uh, just him about Hugh Freeze, is fucking remarkable. Like it, also go read his Twitter thread about his GPA and finishing it off. <laughs> Stephen Godfrey and I have to be famous is not the word because I would not say neither is we have to be among the most successful journalists to come out of Ole Miss who both got k- kicked out of school <laughs> and, and had to come ah. back. Truly. Oh, I, I I wrote that appeal letter on printer paper because they were like, just go back and just print it. I was like, no. I have an appeal that's going to knock your socks off about why you should readmit me to the school. I it's an old Miss rite of passage. I know. And so, because anyway, he was like, listen, everyone who's making fun of Stetson Bennett. I know. Like, what are you supposed to do at SEC school? Yeah, it goes six and a half. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Brother, you don't need a deal. You don't need a degree to give a deal on a nice new 2021. That's, all those are killing me. They're like, no, yeah, sure. I was at Georgia for six years, but you know what? Those six years, this this warranty on this brand new, <laughs> I'll be brand honest, new the- Kia. You drive out the lot today. The Stetson Bennett dealership joke works so well on me that when he eventually does open a dealership, like I kind of want a car from Stetson. Just 100%. like, just do it for the content. Like I don't care yeah. what the car is. Oh my god, it's incredible. Uh, that was. Uh, <laughs> I really thought that, this was going to be the one episode where I didn't reveal something personal about myself. <laughs> Academic suspension. What up? <laughs> You fool! You thought this would be the one. You know what sucks though? Well, I wouldn't say it sucks. I think this is actually better. It wasn't because I was partying. I'd never had a drink until at at Ole Miss anyway. Until I was twenty one, twenty two. I just did not like school, and I just did not do well in my class. Go here to do school. Well, and I was depressed. There was a lot. There's a whole backstory, but I just want that on the record. I wasn't like at frat parties or whatever every night. I was just doing sort of my best and doing a lot of band. I was practicing my flute a lot. I was like, I'll figure it out one day. I'm I didn't play myself out of this. I, know. I didn't know they could suspend you. I thought, I was like, well, I mean, if you're paying them, you could just go here forever. <laughs> anyway, that's a very intelligent woman. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I went to a very easy school. You show up and you and you pass so yeah. i begged i begged a professor not to fail me in accounting because i was afraid they're gonna kick me out of rotsy Same. i did very badly in that class and i was there's was like i'm gonna be very generous with the curve i was like sir how generous i don't <laughs> think you understand how bad i am at accounting um and now i have an mba <laughs> so. the system works <laughs> the system works <laughs> 
Yes. You you have an MBA. Him just twenty years later. And Godfrey skewered Hugh Freeze. On a very popular podcast. System works. So with that being said, let's talk about best scenes. Okay. This one has a lot. A lot of, lot of good scenes. I think bangers. a lot of bangers. Uh, the scene just right off the bat, announcing the internationals, announcing the guys going to their team. We found out that Bumbercatch is, uh, is Swiss. What? You don't think I look Swiss? <laughs> what is it? What's the actual quote? What does he say? You're like, look at me. Yeah, look <laughs> at me. <laughs> like, that was, we, of course, very bad. cute. In that scene, we get the first taste of the the side, the comedic side plot that has nothing to do with the actual plot. But Danny versus Van, da- Danny Rojas might be a serial killer. <laughs> Can I do? He's like, hey, bro. So Van Dam playing for Canada. Our sweet boy Danny Rojas played for Mexico. Van Dam's like, yeah, bro, sweet fun. He says, <laughs> I am not your bro. We are now enemies, and soon you will be my bitch. <laughs> It was my favorite. Um, it also was the first glimpse of um, just how far, because we talk so much about Roy and Jamie, which is fair. They've come a long way. But the, maybe not so subtle, but I haven't paid as much, or it hasn't stood out as much to me until I realized today, like, when you think back to the beginning of season two, like, Sam lost his shit when he thought Jamie was coming back and Jamie tormented him all through season one. He was such a dick to everybody, but particularly Sam. And Jamie goes over specifically to ask how he's doing after not making the Nigerian national team. And he says, Hey, t- Hey, 24 or Hey, yeah, 24. Hey, 24. Number two. Yeah. And, and it wasn't just like a, he felt like he had to, cause he made the team like whatever. Also, first of all, so sweet that he made the English national team. That made me like, get a little for clumped um a lot of things to you guys i cry a lot uh <laughs> and then he goes over and like has a genuine conversation with sam not just like a like lip service like hey sorry bro like you know and he says like hey are you okay and he's like yeah hey, i'll be um and so that was just such a wonderful reminder of like how far they've come and then we get more of it later which is also good we do we do um the closing of kjpr are we being very slowly robbed? Jack and Edwin Akufu are what happens when children grow up as billionaires. They suffer no accountability for their actions at all for their entire life and feel like they can treat people however they want. They are horrible. I am so glad that this show is like the two richest characters are shitty. Actually, the three richest three. characters are shitty. Mm-hmm. Love well, that. Well, Jack Love tries it. to always blame it on someone else. That's why I yeah. get so mad. Or she's like, oh, I, you know, like, I couldn't do it. It's all this is shit. Jack is very unaccountable for her yeah. actions. There's no such thing as telling the CFO, I mean, like, I'll tell the CEO later. <laughs> like, that's yeah. not a thing. Like, you're intentionally trying to be a dick. Yeah. Because somebody didn't do what you wanted them to do. And you don't understand anything outside of the realm of, I thought money could solve it all. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't even have the guts to say like, oh yeah, I just don't think it's working. Cause like, if you yeah. are, like she says, get out of murder rich, you are, I can float this PR company rich. Cause like yeah. Rebecca is that rich. And yeah. <laughs> she has that much cash on her. Yeah. <laughs> Which flex, flex. Um, so much. Barbara. So <laughs> we, we were kind of wondering when, when Jack comes out and announces that, um, that Keely, her and Keely are dating and we see Barbara has some like kind of weird vibes about it. And I 
I think I had floated like, oh, maybe she's seen Barbara like or uh, Jack date before and something like that. I think now in retrospect, looking at this with all the snow globes and stuff, Barbara has seen Jack come in, take some kind of interest in something or someone and then yeah. lose interest and cut and run. So I, I assume that Barbara's funding has just been like very spur of the moment. Very. Yeah. I've lost interest. I'm, I'm cutting this out that, that sort of thing. So I, I think, I mean, we clearly see that Barbara doesn't care for working for Jack. I don't even think it's like lost interest. I think it's uh, emotional abuse. I think it's, I have the power to hurt you because you didn't do what I wanted you to do. And, you know, I think that's what it comes down to. And I think Barbara has watched that, but Barbara's very closed off. She clearly doesn't get close to her coworkers. And honestly, I don't think she's the type of person who would if she had a steady, stable, one-place job. But, yeah, to me, like, Barbara was always going to be Team Keeley. I could tell from their first little episode where Barbara was like, you do everything wrong. I was like, they're going to be besties. I love Barbara. Just give it time. I love her so much. <laughs> I like when my clothes tell the truth. <laughs> all right. one of the funniest all right, guys. How, how many juicy sweatsuits did you guys own in, like, circa 2007? <laughs> I was poor. I didn't yeah, have none. any of Do you think? <laughs> the only, yeah, there was no juicy happening in the, like the darn household. I think in, my luxury item in 2000, let's see, 2007 would have been like a Hollister t-shirt. You know what I wanted so badly was um, when Abercrombie had that like phase where they did like board shorts, like the, with the um, the stereotypical, like, or, like the like typical Hawaiian print hibiscus with it was like, the blue shorts with like the hibiscus print whatever just in white oh my god I want some of those so badly my mom was like they are far too short on you and I was like I literally was like the shorts aren't short my legs are just long and that's your fault it's your problem I just (laughs) I did not get them (laughs) every time I see a juicy tracksuit all I can think of is like there was a teenage version of me who was in small town Podunk Arkansas just trying to get through her day just trying to get out of high school who could turn on the tv and see paris hilton Lindsay Lohan, all of them wearing trucker hats and velvet sweatsuits and me being like this is the height of luxury (laughs) (laughs) i want the extensions i want the cakey makeup and the spray tan like we it was high fashion it really was to us, I also anyway. think of the Ja Rule "I'm Real" music video. I feel like that was the one that had. <laughs> I the think about that song tracksuit. often. I didn't. I never. Caroline, did you ever own anything with something written on the butt no, of the shorts? That was no. that was not going to fly Why in our house. Exactly. Oh, one hundred percent. Like <laughs> I even like when we got to college. When I think because it was like graduating high school, going into college when those tracksuits were really big. If I had walked into my father's house with oh. anything written on the ass of my shorts or jeans. He would have thrown me out. Like he would have said, I just "Go would get have been in your mocked car." Mercilessly, it would have been like you cannot, like you're not going to wear that. It was one of the first examples that goes with also um, parting my hair down the middle and low ponytails, where annoyingly my mother was 100 percent correct. Uh, and it's just something you got to go through. You got to go through those things, which is why when like you know the younger folks are like, "Oh, the, the millennials and their side parts," yeah, because you know what. I went through the middle part thing and that shit looks terrible. Our face looks better. Like you're going to 10 years from now, all y'all are going to look stupid. 
Yeah. You know, that's, we, we did the low rise jeans thing. We did that. Did that's why we don't wear them. That's why we don't we want do them. To, that's why you will pry the high rise skinny jeans off of my dead body. Like not yeah. happening. It's the same thing with right. like everything that you thought was such a great idea. Like I used to like wear like my ponytail, the nape of my neck Ugh, was just like real low. Like just like my mom's like, like I don't care if you just put it up. Yeah. And I was like, no, this is what they're doing. Anyway, everyone goes through it. Um. I, I had a pair of American Eagle cargo shorts that I could have fit all this recording equipment in the side. And just like showed up and like I'm ready to go, guys. I got. And this I got was it like a month ago. Here. Yeah, and Jacqueline yeah. was just, like, Relax. just got rid of them. Oh, we'll we'll take this offline. But just the outfit that I was wearing when she and I met for the first time is oh like God. it's shameful. It's it's well. truly shame. My my wife has improved my life in a lot of ways, and how I dress now is like number number two or three. Did you have <laughs> frosted tips, Kyle? No. Oh, ever slash when you met? <laughs> ever yes. Like I I did the blunt. Like I listen. I like every other suburban white kid. I loved Eminem. So <laughs> every yeah, guy had a crush on in like ninety five to two thousand range had the middle part like yep. the um uh leo dicaprio like yeah. <laughs> or there was also the quick phase where everything was like the frosted tip spiky yeah, yeah i was so i was I, I did the blonde hair once but i was like it took me so long to convince my mom that by the time it happened it was out <laughs> which is just like my entire yeah. life and then and then it was yeah spiky in front and then i, I like yeah, my my hair has always been a, a disaster. But anyways, anyways, <laughs> Tangent. Juicy sweatpants. I the only like honest clothes. Let let the record show. Nicole would have shut that shit down at Chuck. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would not have gone farther. She's getting fifteen. She's getting maybe fifteen minutes to this episode and being like, no. <laughs> she's just doing the like fast forward ten seconds thing. Like, oh my god, they're yeah, still talking about this. She's like, yeah. are they on Jinkos now? What is this? <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about Uncle Day. Uh, probably the first contender for best scene of this episode. Yes. 100%. I have a theory, guys. Okay. It's weird. My favorite kind. <laughs> okay. So first of all, like, you know, I want to get into just why this scene is great, but I just want to start with this theory and then I want you to go into why the scene's great. And then I want that to marinate and people think like maybe. Okay. So if you are a faithful listener, which clearly I am not. <laughs> and you go back to the Van City episode of season two. It is possible. I either said it on that podcast or I said to Kyle, what if, okay. So remember that Man City at the beginning of the episode, Dr. Sharon goes out on her little like transformer bike and has an accident, ends up in the hospital. Ted goes to like check her out. There was a doctor in the ER who had like a kind of an extended dialogue with Ted. And I threw out the idea, or at least I don't want to take credit for it in case it's like, because Kyle, what if you said it? And I was like, yeah, but I that's definitely right. didn't say it. it was <laughs> absolutely you. But we it's knew, like, I have never heard it. <laughs> we knew enough at that point because we'd already seen the Christmas episode that that's when we found out the Christmas episode is when we knew that Phoebe's mom w- worked in the ER. And that's why like so- Roy would have to take her suddenly. I was oh, like, what funny. if that's Phoebe's mom? What if that's Roy's sister? And it was a passing moment. Well, we learn in this episode that that is true. If you go back to me and say it's the same person. Okay, here's here's my thing. So Jamie walks in, says hello to her. Roy has a look on his face, not like don't talk to my sister, but why are you so familiar? 
we've been asking ourselves all season, how does Jamie suddenly know stuff? Why is he so smart? I was going to ask how they get his number. Okay. Like how did how did the child fuck yeah, get how, this how did they get this Jamie's heart yeah. to invite Roy didn't know he was cut. I think they've been dating this entire time. And they did kept you, it a secret. They kept it a secret because hall? it's Roy's sister. When he what? goes when he's walking in with Phoebe, he goes, Is that your Range Rover outside? <laughs> and he goes, No, it's my mom. She goes, No, it's my mom's. <laughs> it's just the cutest like Jamie talking. He like I mean Jamie talking to a kid. It's just it's so such a nice throwaway line. It's very like, doting too if you're mm-hmm. dating the kid's mom. Mm-hmm. Oh my I god! Just, we have asked all, like we asked why did he suddenly get smart? He's definitely more compassionate than he's ever been. He's certainly more eager to get closer to Roy. I mean, look, I know it's wild. I'm sure it's not true. Also, I mean, no, but look, I am fully fully on the jamie roy sister oh yeah like first of all they have done such a great job just in the last what what, two three episodes introducing cool as shit sisters that i'm sad we haven't gotten more of between nate's awesome sister and now roy's awesome sister the entire scene was so precious the way that they love phoebe so much (laughs) that this made up he's like this is not even a real holiday she's like it's her second favorite holiday <laughs> behind your birthday for it yes. even if even if they're not dating even if they're this even if the theory is untrue the fact that jamie that they reach out to jamie and jamie's like sure little girl like i'll come for like, uncle day and party. i will buy this roy's original kit for for the english national team and change it to roy cunt <laughs> <laughs> and what if the whole thing like what if we get to the end of the season and Jamie kind of has like a, a, a classic Jamie moment of just like, we won because I'm the best. And we find out that like the whole training thing, Jamie's like, yeah, I tricked you into doing that. I had to find a way to like get in there. So you'd approve of us. Like, what if that's been the whole thing this season oh is Jamie God, yes. trying to find a way for Roy to approve of him dating his sister. Damn. In, Jamie 100% in. I'm 100% in. It was so cute. Their entire interaction from the second he walked in where she's like it's your best friend he's like no he's not and she's like you talk about him all the time (laughs) super cute and it was it was such a thoughtful and then perfect like jamie follow-up gift but like when he says like i love it like it's so sweet um it gets when one of my favorite lines too and um i forget i don't know what the thing was so she said it's his her second favorite holiday behind Roy's birthday and then it's uncle day. And then what is the one where the third one, it was like, where the like German witch <laughs> thing, like tells kids like not to go out of line. Or it was. But it was very like when Dwight read that story to the kids in the, on the office and he says, um, <laughs> yeah. he, he says she might be an old soul, but she's a proper fucking dweeb. <laughs> and it was very cute she is just outstanding i love phoebe so much yeah just a great scene overall we get roy with the shirt um she and says then roy... there's an intermission boys <laughs> there's an intermission we have to go change for our show <laughs> roy wears the shirt uh to richmond and then shout out uh the song red right hand which is also in scream uh but i think it was clear this was like a peaky blinders reference right i'm sure but you guys watch the I, show but I haven't I, seen Peaky Blinders. I, I hear that and I think of X Files. I think of well, I think of Scream. So 
I'm not going to get into Peaky Blinders lore, but <laughs> that song was the theme song for all but the last season that came to represent Thomas Shelby played by the illustrious Killian Murphy. Um, and like the, Alex's favorite, my favorite app, sleep of story reader. In the early 2000s, when I was just wishing for a trucker hat and juicy pants, I was like, <laughs> look at this attractive man on PBS. It's Killian Murphy. That's a true story. Anyway. One day closer to Oppenheimer, folks. I know. So anyway, Thomas Shelby, main character on the show, that song is like, associated with the show for many reasons but like the scene of like kind of him coming in and everybody sort of looking like what's he doing because he of his influence and I feel like that's what they did here I'm not a huge like I I I'm not so I'm sure there are Peaky Blinders fans who are gonna be like that makes no sense but I think that was the reference was or like sort of was like everybody's kind of looking at this guy walking in and I mean it would make more sense than Screamer X-Files so sure (laughs) listen yeah (laughs) Um, well, maybe not it is just it, it is a great song it's been used a lot and maybe that's all it was but the song is also a reference to paradise lost john milton what up oh. okay oh, uh, nate pulling out the violin oh. <sighs> alex violin corner <laughs> welcome to alex's violin corner <laughs> okay so this scene made me very emotional for many reasons. Oh, as soon as he started playing, I got like, weeping. well, I knew as soon as he grabbed that case, I was like, here we go. Because two weeks ago, I went to Oxford, Mississippi, place I like, <laughs> and I played in an alumni band, an alumni marching band, because like the longtime band director there um, was is retiring. It was a big retirement weekend for him, so they sent us music. And like, you know, most of us did not go into music when we graduated. So we haven't played in years and we rarely take it out. And we got, it was like the first time I played in an ensemble since 2011 and everything. I'm telling you, but like the night before I stayed with my mom in Memphis, I went into her bedroom and cause it was, it's like the most, like where I can keep the sound away from them and the rest of the house. And I pulled out my flute and my piccolo and I'm playing. And every single thing that has worried me in the past year went away and I started crying and, and like, I'm sorry, this is, I very much made this an about me thing, but I have a point telling you the story. So (laughs) I don't mean it that way. You should not care about like, that was not the point. I just realized I was like, Alex, just talk about the show. That's not what, that's not the point y'all I'm explaining why, when he got that case out, I knew instantly we're about to go back to when we just did things that we loved for the love of them. And I didn't know it would end up in this like ultimate scene with his dad, but just like, first of all, is it absolutely crazy that we are to believe that he pulled a violin out of the box after presumably decades. And it's like, ah, yes, we just have to, (laughs) we're just going to pluck it a few times. It'll be ready to go. That is not reasonable, but him just playing like modified scales over this really simple, you know like piano chords like i was i was i might have been noodling on the piano last night to figure it all out and play it with the episode it doesn't matter but uh and then you have rebecca's thing over it and it ends with nate's dad and they finally have the thing i just well and you, you have know. this the jamie going into the game with sam moment too yes. and that's when i was like <laughs> we all got back it was the, the whole theme was like get back to what you do for the love of it like what's the mm. thing that if money weren't an object, 
if you did not have to earn money at your job, what would be your dream job? If you knew everything would be taken care of, what would you do every day of your life? That's what that was. And I was just very moved. And we got to the root of all of Nate. All of Nate. We got all of Nate. And it was so relatable. And so not necessarily like it had to happen to you or like I'm saying my parents say anything like that or that I'm, you know, genius, like whatever his dad said. But like, yeah, it's not a problem my parents had. (laughs) (laughs) It's just that Nate, you go back to season one, you know, and you have the very beginning of this episode where the old coach, the, like you know what she says about the raisins on the salad and the not an oasis liam and noel gallagher like she named his you know balls you can see him that guy is over here there's a reason why he was my kit man like that thing right so you go back to you have that you have you just look back at every relationship that nate has had from when we met him it was shocked that ted wanted to know his name it was being just so good but not noticed as the kit man it was having these soccer ideas and knowing how the game is played and what is the most beneficial and like how he blossoms over time and where his desire to be accepted wanting to be perfect wanting to be liked wanting to be like all of these things um and it all just boils down to he thought that he couldn't be happy he had to be perfect and it just like the whole scene was gorgeous in that moment with his dad was beautiful. And um, when he comes in and stops playing, it was Jesus Christ. It was perfect because it was getting to be too emotional. Like that's, <laughs> for me, that's what I needed to get me to stop sobbing. Yeah, it <laughs> jolts you out of it. I think like, it, there was also stuff there. And again, I'm just saying this to make a, a connection, not to be like, but here's how it affects me. Um, you know, I... I think it's very true that you don't really understand parents at all, or even your own parents until you have to become a parent. And suddenly like everything shifts and you think back on your own childhood and you're like, Oh my God, I was such a dick. I was such a dick to my parents. Um, my dad was very similar to Nate's dad. And, and I don't say that to, you know, this smart him, God rest his soul, but he, I, there were lines, there were boundaries and there was, you're going to do this and that. And it was never like a stage dad kind of thing. Like he didn't care what I did. I, I, he's not like he stuck a flute in front of me one day or told me to go right until I couldn't, <laughs> like I couldn't sleep. Do it again. <laughs> I picked up my own passions, but then when I did, he was like, you're going to take it to the extreme. And you know, there, obviously that's a problematic thing and it, it can really set you up not only to be a perfectionist, but to be somebody who thinks they have to perform for someone's um, approval. And it took like growing up and looking back and realizing like he thought he was doing me a favor and he thought it was a compliment. And then again, this is not absolving that behavior. That's these are men, both Nate's dad and my dad did a lot of therapy. But like when I heard Nate's dad kind of have this reserved, like I'm glad it wasn't too flowery because it was still very much like controlled. And he said, you know, he's like, I thought, you wanted that. He just, he saw a kid who liked playing the violin and he's like, I know you're capable of being the best at it. So go be the best. And I'm not going to let you settle for anything less. And it's like, I just like to play. That's all I wanted to do. And it was, was, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. seeing the pictures of the, of his family, it just, the idea of like needing just to go home. Yeah. Is also sleep. So relatable. And like, 
the just the comfort of being there even if like you're you know you're being a burden on your parents <laughs> like she oh, was yeah. feeding feeding him every meal like all this stuff um but I thought the scene where he just kind of walked the hallways alone like look it looked like he found a magic set like in the like yeah. he pulled like scarves out of a top hat like he needed it to remind him like who he is you know as cheesy as all it sounds like from. whatever it's like yeah where he came from who he is like that he doesn't because the beginning of the episode when we find out that he quit you know um jade who has turned out to be an absolute delight was like do you regret your decision and he's like no and she's like then you did the right thing like you know it's just going to take time and like i was talking to one of our coworkers, and he was like i don't know why he's pouting like he would get so many phone calls like if he had man city if he had man city and like uh, or sorry West Ham in first place like he's getting four from I was like but that's not the point like he doesn't he's not no, he sad doesn't about want to do that the job <laughs> like, yeah. he's not sad about like stepping away from that it's the entire the entire thing that's gone on for him and so I think the whole scene was just beautiful overlaid with the gesture that we see from Jamie wearing Sam's number um, that kind of stuff, guys, I am, I know I'm a sap. I know I cry like everything. That kind of shit gets me so fast. Like I was already like, oh, I love a good violin. Um, <laughs> well, especially good it's violin. overlaid. It's happening yes. when Rebecca is giving this speech. Yeah, Football isn't just a game. It's one of those amazing things in life that can make you feel like shit in one moment. Then it's like Christmas morning the next. And it's yeah. it's an amazing speech because it's really, it's like the speech in Mr. Deeds where he's like, where, <laughs> where Peter Gallagher is like, you got to convince all these folks mm. to start hating money. And yeah. Rebecca does the same thing that Mr. Deeds does. And um, Ted Lasso, Mr. Deeds, hand in hand. Normal. That's where everyone thought that was going. Yeah, exactly. But that's exactly what I was thought of when he's like, you know, let's all make a lot of money. And I'm like, Mr. Deeds would have talked his way out of this. And Rebecca <laughs> does too. We need Rebecca to speak to both the, the SEC and Big Ten and say, <laughs> you, need, you need to fucking stop because this isn't what Just sport relax. is about. Super guys, conference. Guys need to fucking stop because they're, yeah. Need, <laughs> but she says that just because we own these teams doesn't mean they belong to us, like Caroline said. And like that, I will say that speech damn it i was about to say it's my favorite part of the episode but then right after that is roy's letter to keely like i what is i mean this this episode hits on so many emotional notes what what is the best scene like this is hard i lean i i do lean on cold party because <laughs> it just i love it so much but no okay i take that back it's the it's the violin scene it has to be for me yeah like all right just the very intentional combination of everything and even the roy and keely scene was not like it wasn't like sugary sweet they could have made that letter very hallmarky right they could have it but it was like, very roy i actually it was i actually roy. I know. Mm -hmm. no i thought it was it was perfect and that was kind of what the whole thing like with the tie-dye shirt he had to leave his comfort zone when no one was watching. Like he, like Phoebe has no idea if he wore that shirt, right? It's not like anybody was going to report back. He did it because he knew it mattered. And even when he took it off and threw it on the ground, he went back and got it. And I think this whole idea of like Roy getting out of his own fucking head and out of his own way. Because the bus driver being like, all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought it was, 
It was just so cute. And I, but yeah, his letter to Keely was perfect because it wasn't this big declaration of his love for her. It wasn't this big, like, you're the moon and the stars. It was him owning up and saying, if there was ever a moment that I made you feel less than what you are, then I'm sorry. And then he starts to walk away and then they bang it out. Well, I do think since our good friend Mike is not here tonight, we do need to shout out the teacher um, who has been throughout the show a delight. And I want, (laughs) he wants her to know that Mm -hmm. that, that her, her lines were great. I agree because I texted a few, I texted the group I was like she she's she's a good flirt like it, or maybe maybe that's the problem I think she's a good flirt and the son's like no, oh she's I so think... witty and clever and I'm like okay well I'm single so maybe that's not maybe it's like, but she was a delight like she was Delightful. lovely and um, this, it makes yeah. me kind of lean into Kyle's thing though why bring her back why why bring her back if she's not going to mean something later it was i think it was the bridge between mechanism yeah it was the the way that they got him to realize he's a just a doofus i just didn't feel like it was a very convincing way to do that i feel like she's there for a reason and i i don't know like i don't necessarily think the season will end with a bunch of like happily ever afters i think you get like two happily ever afters and then you get like a few let's see where this takes us do you think there's going to be spinoffs oh yeah there'll be something that's fine i can do but like there were just there were a lot of ways for him to realize that he needed to get his shit together with keely like the the thing with hannah last week now i'm just referring to the mother but (laughs) i think um, it was more that he knew that he messed up and needed to get out of it but he he i think he'd considered how keely had felt but when he heard it in that way where like you know like i hope no you know like hope the mess wasn't too bad or whatever she's like i'm a i'm a teacher i'm used to cleaning up messes just hope nothing was yeah so damaged where he that's that's when he realized was like i made her feel like less of a rather than him being like i stepped away and like let her shine is what i think he thought the entire time was like that he was this like doing her falling on the sword to like save her and like when all this stuff was going down for her he didn't think about the fact that like he probably m- made her feel less than keely mm-hmm. fucking jones yeah um, it's like the, the give her space thing he, he's finding yeah. it, he needed to hear someone else kind of say it yeah um yeah i think i think it's definitely the violin scene with rebecca's speech you know ruining edwin akufu's super league <laughs> um and then honorable mention to to uncle day um, let's take a quick ad break and then we're going to get back with the laughing Liam. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so the laughing Liam Ward and uh, best one-liner joke. We've just combined all the laugh into one category. Uh, we actually, Alex pointed out during the uh, the very lengthy ad break we just took, that uh, <laughs> we actually did get Laughing Liam in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Doing That's his laugh. Oh. <laughs> I just, yeah, okay, got it. We need Try to uh, we need to shout out what Mike's favorite line in the sh- in the episode was, and like I <laughs> love it when the, uh, Rebecca says something to Ted, like ask him if he has a clue or something like that. And Ted says an incomplete list of Madeline Kahn's best movies. No which, clue. Like, we had to literally, no clue. Yeah. We had to pause the, pause the episode and be like, wow, that was great. <laughs> was so involved. You just have to dig so far down to get to the result. And you're like, okay, that was satisfying. <laughs> I, I think Wonka though takes it. That's why okay. I have the whole thing. So she goes, okay. To- she goes to Higgins for advice and it does the again hilarious where he's like oh Keely didn't answer your text oh is Ted not around oh we're <laughs> sassy and she's like oh she's on a plane with no wi-fi and then when she says the thing where he's like oh is your mother not available she's like how dare you because I want her like come and sit down so she tells him about getting invited to the Akufu meeting like um and doesn't know if she wants to go because she thinks she's just being invited so that there's a woman there that's not all the you know guys that are just going to talk to her bosom <laughs> with like whatever and he says uh in perfect delivery um oh is it because he's an emotionally erratic billionaire with the temperament of one of the children that gets murdered at the chocolate factory <laughs> like that's <laughs> and she goes i don't think that's what happened leslie and he says straight face, I hate to break it to you, but those children are dead. <laughs> <laughs> Which admittedly, it took years for me to realize that. Oh my God. I just, and, and like alone as a sentence, like you should not laugh. <laughs> I oh, hate it's to wonderful break it though. To you, but those children are dead. Higgins on a heater. I would watch a whole spinoff just about Higgins. They could no other original castmates. Just give me Higgins running a football club. I'd watch. Would the love thing. that. Would love that. Um, the Danny and Van Dam subplot is funny. The the airplane, the actual game where he breaks his nose, and when he gets back, he's just mm-hmm. like, "How's your nose?" He's like, "It's broken." That was a crazy uh, game, amigo. <laughs> the. Uh... When the first Rupert and Rebecca conversation, when he shows up in her office and he's like, I was thinking about my first, <laughs> I was thinking about my first Richmond game the other day. She goes, ah, it's when they played by candlelight. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> it was wonderful. That was a really good oh, line. <laughs> and also just like the whole scene in the restaurant with Sam Richardson. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Everything so Sam Richardson's so funny, but he's so evil in this. Mm-hmm. I know. What did you call him? Pinky Dick Sam over and over again. Um, the and then they made million him do the to make him never get on the national team. When he said that, I, my blood started boiling. Yes. And then he did the like, never. And then I <laughs> laughed and I felt mad. <laughs> Um, was there's good. one other one from early in the episode. Oh, it's not gossip; it's speculation. <laughs> I enjoyed that too. Also, like, uh, we find out that Higgins and the other director of operations have <laughs> the, the directors of Beep Operations. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, and there's the I could never 
be in another country than my axes. <laughs> 17 axes. How many do you have now? 17. Um, the physical comedy of all of them reacting, the three of the of Beard, Ted, and um Trent Krim reacting to Roy in the tie-dye was mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. Like that was the moment like, in this episode <laughs> where I was like, I'm gonna miss these people. Yes. I'm gonna miss these characters because it's like those moments where it's it's because they all know Roy and they've and then they've built this little this pod they have of Roy and Trent and Beard and Ted that I have just loved watching watching them interact and grow and when they're doing that thing when every everyone in the building is kind of eyeing Roy but when they do that I it's just like man I'm gonna miss. The, it's the little things like this that I'm gonna really miss out of this show. That's when a show is, when a show is really developed like this. Uh, I got my haircut today, and Shit's Creek was on the TV in the haircut place, and like Shit's mm. Creek does a lot of those same things. Like when you, when the yeah. character inc- intricacies, when it's it's just like it doesn't have to be a big scripted out scene. It doesn't have to be something like a, a you know a joke with a punchline. Just these small things that they can if they can point out a detail and another character's sense of being or, or what what they're about and the other characters can just react to it physically and they still make it really really funny that's really special and the show has accomplished that yeah it kind of it's like hand in hand with um was it the amsterdam episode when ted did the thing with his fingers on his eyebrows to show roy Kent? it was like the muppet brows <laughs> and he's like he's so grumpy <laughs> i wish the podcast listeners could see but you know what i'm talking about it's very good audio visual jokes on an audio podcast it's my favorite <laughs> jason manzuka sing from how this get made so who's the laughing liam who's the funniest character oh higgins higgins, higgins really the good out loud like bark laugh i did at that at that interaction was the loudest of the episode for sure yeah i hate to bring it to you those children are dead <laughs> But also Sam Richardson and also just, it's hard. It's really, I think Jamie just on his own, just what, God, I love it. I love him so much. The, I mean, even just, again, the, what's what make the interactions of the uncle day so great is like the readiness with which Jamie will pay up for swearing. <laughs> where he's like, oh, it was worth it. Like whatever. Um, but where she, and she, the little, the actress who plays Phoebe is just so great where she's like, doing the math like the word math for what he did to the jersey and she's like that's gonna cost you jamie and he's like what i didn't say anything and she's like but you made me think it which is basically the same thing um, but also and he's like, fair enough <laughs> how does jamie know about that arrangement i'm just saying, I'm just saying i don't oh. know i don't know mm. I'm in on this. I'm in on this. This is the closest to Ted Becca we've gotten also in terms of like, (laughs) I'm gonna go back and just look for all the clues and make a thread about it. Um the And then start talking about them as real people and yeah. I mean the um uh oh no. Oh, when he says after they walk out to change for the show and (laughs) Jamie goes, Your sister's fit. That's what he said. Like, I will rip your eyeballs I out. I will cut your eyes out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even that was just, it was perfect. Fantastic. What is the best Ted moment of this episode? He's been so out of this season. Isn't it mm-hmm. funny? 
<laughs> I think it was the scuttlebutt joke. The clue joke too, I thought was really yeah. good. Um, I don't like gossip, but my butt likes a little scuttle. <laughs> I mean, they are purposely like not. Well, I mean, the best Ted moment, even though he didn't manufacture it, is when he got spit on. Yes. I loved that. Yeah, I loved like all the kind of callbacks because it's, it's to me, it's like intentional. It's saying, let's think about where Rebecca was in season one. She was willing to give away a Hockney to Higgins because fuck Rupert, right? And now she's putting the Hockney back and she's got a pep in her step for reasons other than just... I could make a very crude joke here about a Dutch man, but I won't. Um, it's like, it's, yeah. And she brings him in, she spits in his face. And I'm sure that's going to be the source of many Twitter threads this week. But I love well, that. that in the, the army man. The army man she pulls being out in, with the the, match, in, in the matchbook. Match I but think again, it was more, it's the callback to the first season. Like it's her motivation thinking about like his, like why Henry sent him the green army men and why Ted was giving them to people. Like it's. And the nice, fact, it's a nice moment. It's a nice callback. So number one, like the writers knew what they were doing with the psychic in the beginning. They wanted to condition everyone to look for those signs. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so whatever. But did you also notice like when she's talking to Ted, she makes it a point to put the biscuits down. We always see mm-hmm. her as soon as she gets them, she's shoveling them in her face. Right. Yeah. She's like, actually, I don't need this right now because I can have a conversation with you. Like, I think. A lot of it was stuff. such a comfort food before. Yeah, like it was well, like home. The, yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, like because remember the first thing he said to her about it was like, "Don't you?" Well, I think this was like when he brought the barbecue sauce in and the army men. He's like, "Don't you? Do you have something in your life that just takes you right back to home?" And she's shoving the biscuits in her mouth, and you have all <laughs> of that kind of hitting each other in the moment of yeah. things that that bring you home. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rupert Award for the villain of the episode. He's actually got some competition. Well, weirdly, it's not him. Like, he's always bad, but Jack and Edwin Akufu are fucking horrible. Edwin's probably worse, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, he's awful. Jack is bad. If you're willing to pay. Yeah. It's the thing about Sam. To keep our sweet boy Sam off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he calls him ugly. How dare they? Our beautiful boy. And he says he's going to open a competing restaurant, like, which he definitely won't. Like he with Chicago hot dogs, which yeah, yeah he he stinks. Um, when he did all the voices though, that was pretty funny. That was good. <laughs> yeah, that that was just that was a uh, let's let Sam Richardson cook here for a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the pitch as far as sports action, what's going on? We found out that Richmond has won ten straight games, and I think, like I said earlier, I think all things are leading to, um them being being in a final of sorts or or being up for for a league win you know it could be actually so i think whoever wins the premier league and i'll need a patron or someone a listener to correct me here but i think it's just all dependent on points so it's not like there's a championship game and so it could end up a situation where richmond needs to win and man city needs or in man city or west ham need to lose like it could end up like that where one of them like if Richmond wins, but Man City or but Man City wins against West Ham or something, they win the title. Or it could end up as something like that. So, um, other than that, I think we'll I think we'll get clued in next episode okay. to so, how much more. So we just I just checked and we've got the the episode's live, which means yes. the preview for next week is live. So it's mm-hmm. called Mom City. 
Oh yeah, because his mom's gonna be on Ted's oh, mom. Man. Yeah, T- Ted's mom. unexpected guest mom. has Ted. Ted's mom because Ted. She's been cast. I think because an unexpected guest has Ted on edge. When Richmond traveled to Manchester for a big match, Roy and Keeley become concerned about Jamie. Yeah, so I think it's like a lot of moms, but we know I can't. Why can I not remember her name? But sometime last year they said that Ted's mom had been cast for the show, and we've been waiting on that. Oh, do we know who it was? Yes, just let me. I don't know why Patricia Clarkson jumped into my head. I just feel like she should be cast as Um, everyone's mom. I love Patricia Clarkson. Um, so maybe they play Man City next week because it's called Mom City, and they say they go to Manchester for a game. Like it could be Man United, obviously, but why would you call it Mom City if you're not playing? It's uh, Becky Ann Baker. She was the mom on Freaks and Geeks and Girls. She was uh, Hannah's mom on Girls. Her name was Hannah, right? Okay. y'all didn't watch freaks and geeks come on go watch freaks and geeks. don't, don't tell my close her? personal friend john francis daly <laughs> i, I watch freaks and geeks but okay i know who we're talking about i know who yep. we're talking about oh yeah you can totally see where she's she's got some lasso in her <laughs> <laughs> they they don't look not related i think is the She's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Becky and Bakery, sorry, they must. Mm-hmm. Let's Bab. all Google on a podcast. Well, so this kind of confirms like the Man City being the big bad, and then they have a, a an episode called Mom City. They're going to Manchester. Jamie is getting upset. Like I'm sure this is tied to his dad too. We have the scene in his bedroom with Roy and Keeley. Mom <sighs> City sounds like another place Beard could have worked at. True. <laughs> like, uh... There better be a joke. They're better at being a joke. No, you didn't say she was in Spider-Man 3. That's why I didn't recognize her. Because that movie's the <laughs> Sorry. worst. That movie's bad. Um, well, I don't know if I can do this podcast anymore if y'all don't watch Freaks and Geeks. It's it it's a Chud Apatow, like, oh my God. It's not on, it's not like a, like a moral stance I've taken. I just haven't seen it. And well, then no, I mean, like... there was a reason it was canceled after you know, season. But it was a brilliant show and Judd Apatow made it a point to make sure everybody on that show got famous. You know who was on that show? Jason Segel, Linda Cardellini, yep. James Franco, et cetera, et cetera. Seth, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. All became famous. But anyway. Just like this show, we're all going to become famous. Um, <laughs> the I Don't Think You Realize How Psychologically Healthy That Is Award, for which character showed the most personal growth in this episode. I think, I think it's, I mean, it's Nate and Rebecca. Are the two? Oh, I mean, shit. Rebecca this is overcomes. like a, this is this is a group award because you uh, Roy get Roy too. Roy, yeah. you get Jamie with Sam. Yeah, I mean, th- I, yeah, this is a Nate. this is a cast Nate. award. I go, Nate ha- and Rebecca one A one B. We have not yet mentioned Will Kitman showing up, and all the kits are done. Oh and shit, we the didn't talk about that. With the piece of lavender tape. This is to so it. significant. Do you realize the fact that like? Again, all of us since last season centered this whole season on him redeeming himself to Ted. That was all it was about was how is Nate going to earn Ted's forgiveness? What will he do for Ted, Ted, Ted? And like the fact that he's finally away and that his decision is to start with Will, that's huge. He could have gone to Ted. He could have, he knows that. He knows Ted is an open door. He knows Ted is never going to reject him. That was never the point. He went to the person again. It's like, who's the person that you are when no one's watching? Yeah. That and and he my, signed it Wonder Kid. 
Yeah. I'm going to cry again. Lavender. But like when he walks, like, and the guy who plays Will, very good actor. Because he walks in instantly, you can tell he smelled something. And like, you make that connection. It's lavender. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you know, it's lavender. And like, it's it's wonderful. Such a a big deal. Yeah. The thing is, Ted has already forgiven Nate. That's oh, already yeah. that's already there. Ted forgave Nate the moment the moment Nate yelled at him. Like Ted yep. Ted saw help there, me, there was help there. me figure out what I can get from this. Yeah, right away. So it's it's things like that. Um but yeah, I, I think you're I mean, he was in this episode as far as cycle personal growth. Like Nate Nate's there. Nate's Nate's ready. Nate's um Nate's ready to to make amends and at the, starting with Will cuz I mean the I think that was the darkest, the first ultra dark moment when he ends the episode in season two, going into Will's office and saying, you know, if you make ever embarrass me again. Yeah. Yeah. That that was the dark moment. Um, The food poisoning award for which moment from the episode gave you the most stress compared to the rest of the season. I was kind of stress free. Mm -hmm. Keely, Keely going through it. Wasn't, wasn't the most fun. It just uh, made, probably in Sam's restaurant. Yeah. Just because that stressed me out. Like our sweet boy being talked to like that. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see Edwin Akufu get some comeuppance. I I think that's probably just the last time we'll see him. Like he didn't get a super league. He's going to go off back to Nigeria and be a billionaire. Um, Best time, worst time. Which character had the best time? Which one had the worst? I have an easy worst time. Van Damme had a terrible time. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> he was Terrible. so excited to play for his national team across from his good buddy Zamigo. Think about chips. that flight. The flight, like right as they get on the plane, Danny crushes his chips and turns around. And so that's going in Van Damme's head the entire flight. Like, what is going on with this guy? And then Broken Nose stinks. Like he's he's wearing that one for a while. Yeah. No, yeah, he had a bad time. Um Rupert had a pretty bad time. Rupert had a bad time. Edwin Akufu thankfully had a bad time. Yeah, he had a pretty bad time. Um, Sam had a bit of a bad time. Yeah. That makes me sad. Jamie had a good time. I mean, all the guys who got to play for their country, minus Van Damme, had a good time. (laughs) Um, Roy and Keeley, by the end of it, I mean, seemingly had a good time. Uh, Yeah. You know, we'd assume. Rebecca, good good time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like she would win the psychological award too. I mean, mm. that. <laughs> why does this? Why does this podcast make me want to admit embarrassing things about myself? I have a photo <laughs> of myself when I was five, taped to my bathroom mirror. I was five years old. I was wearing a Flintstones house coat that my grandma sewed for me. And you know why I keep it on my bathroom mirror? Because I have a tendency to look in the mirror and hate everything I see every day of my life, every moment of the day. I can never look at myself and say, Hey, I'm okay with this. It's always, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And I keep that picture there because when I get in those moods daily, (laughs) I look at the picture and I say, I remind myself, this is not original. I saw this like on some TikTok and it works. I look at her and I say like, you're saying that about her, about that little girl. And so that scene where like her little girl self was telling her how to be big. Whew. Got me. Um, yeah. Got that me. Was... yeah. Anyway, 
It was effective. I revealed way too much about my bathroom mirror. <laughs> well, that being said, the Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for, for Best Supporting Character. Higgins. I hate this. This is and the worst category on your show, Kyle. You, Get I will say it. it's it's better with movies. It's harder with this show. Yeah, it's hard. Because like Higgins, it's interesting. Higgins has been in a very supporting role this whole season. I feel like there were times last season where he had more, like the Christmas episode, especially he was like a mainstay. He, he got a lot of screen time. Um, I, uh, Phoebe's teacher, Leanne, we, we know her name is Leanne, Miss Bowen. Yep. Her name is Leanne, name is Leanne. She's great. Um, I mean, Nate's dad, like after being, he, he was good too. Yeah. He was good. I mean, it's a very good speech and we can roll that into the big chill. There's a lot yeah. of those moments, there's Nate's dad speech, which is also just kind of advisory of like, hey, tell your kids you're proud of them and you love them when you when you can. Like to let them know that they're if they try hard, they're doing well. Um, that kind of a cautionary tale there, but it's a good speech. Rebecca's speech, Roy's letter, Will Kitman finding the letter with the lavender on it, Jamie going onto the pitch. I love things like that. Like Carolyn, you said it too, but like people making their major league debut. I love when guys return to a place they play, like kind of a callback to yes. that scene with Roy coming to Chelsea. But I love when Ugh, guys yes. return to a place where they play, they get the standing ovation before they're at that. Like, I love watching that. Um, yeah. So what, what is the big chill moment? Can we call that whole scene, the violin scene? The speech, all of it in one. I mean, there are no rules, so yeah, probably. <laughs> I do what I want. That's fine. I mean, that was it because it was also brilliantly done. Is like, first of all, just as a whole, I thought the music in this episode was outstanding. Like, I, for some reason, this episode, the I don't want to say background music, but like the score, not just the needle drops or whatever else, but like the the score, the accompanying music, I really stood out to me this time, and I don't know why it was. Maybe it was the you know I said like a, like a good violin, um, but it just the whole thing was starting off at simple scales with the accompaniment, and then each step of what we got to just illustrated further the point that Rebecca was making. I just thought that whole thing just all the feels for me. Yeah, it was good. It was really, really good. The music um, was the best supporting character. That's <laughs> the violin. The violin was putting in work. <laughs> um, last last category. Like, kind of, we have two episodes left. We have eleven. We have twelve. Which mm -hmm. is which is how counting works. I don't know why <laughs> I said eleven and twelve. That's just <laughs> just math. What still needs to be wrapped up? It seems like, I mean, it's Nate, Nate returning. Where does Ted end up? Where does Beard end up? I think I, I feel confident. I, I believe Richmond will end up with a combo of Nate and Roy running it. I think Ted will want to leave it in good hands. Because sure. like, it'd be, It'd be weird if Nate then went and took a job somewhere else. Like Nate is meant to be doing this. He's very good at it. Roy is meant to be doing this. He's very good at it. They also make a great tandem because Roy mentioned earlier in the season that he's like, yeah. when, especially when they were trying, when they were playing West Ham, like Roy doesn't have Nate's tactical mind, but Nate can't relate to players like Roy can. They really are a, a great tandem. 
Um, yeah, I agree. I think it could happen. Where do we think Beard ends up? Somewhere <laughs> crazy with Jane. Like, Jane is here to stay. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the, long, the longest term relationship on the show is Beard and Jane. I realize this is a very, like, woohoo. It's not even a theory. Let's not call it a theory. Am I the only one that when he said, whatever he said, I can't imagine living on another continent. Without my axes? Ac- that I immediately thought X's. I think it was on purpose. I thought the yeah. same thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. I just didn't, you know, whatever. I'm not saying it is. I'm just I immediately it. started humming all my X's live in Texas. Same, same. Naturally. <laughs> naturally. Yes. Oh my axes live in Texas. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny. I don't know. Like it's gonna be one of those, like, imagine if this really did end the way it does, and you're like in if it were a rom com, it's like the last part of the movie where it's just a montage of like where everybody ended up. It's like, this will be, you know, and you get everybody. <laughs> has like, the, yeah. Everybody has the happy ending. And, and then it's you just like, see like Jane Roy and Beard. Putting, <laughs> it's like Roy putting food down on the table for Keely and like kissing her on the cheek, whatever. Yeah, it's like Jamie with like Phoebe on his sh- shoulders, like out in the park. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like Jane and Beard in Amsterdam, you know, wearing God the knows what. Like that's piggy stardust costume. So there's the the end credit scene in Bridesmaids when it's yes. Melissa McCarthy and her yes. real life husband, and they're fi- like they're f- filming a sex tape essentially. Yes, like that's that's what I see out of Beard and Jane. Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> yep. Oh my god. I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot. We got to find out how is Dutch guy going to come back into the picture. Mm. If he is, I mean, we still have that whole casting thing that also could have been a very intentional misdirect, but I, it was just the little girl that they cast as, (laughs) as Hannah. (laughs) I thought about that. I just did it too. I thought about that when, when we saw her, I was like, oh, is that the girl they were casting? Mm -hmm. I don't think they need to say that she was Dutch though. And that's, maybe they just want to cover all their bases. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're just like, who do we have around? I had a little Dutch girl still here. We're not using her for anything else. Let's throw her in there. Yeah, I think um, Roy's sister. I, I mean, I just I think she's gonna play a role. I think it's gonna be something. I I don't think it's about what happens to Ted. I think it's how it happens. Like either he moves back or they move there, but he's gonna be back with at least Henry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't. I but I also don't think it's as simple as he gets on a plane to go back to Kansas. I don't think it's that simple at all. There's got to be something, like some sort of yeah. hook. But who knows? We don't know. We're not the writers. Which Ted Lasso character do you think would have the most fun wedding to attend? Not even couple. Like who? What single Beard. person? Beard's wedding Beard's, would rock. It would stress me out, I think. Yeah. I th- I think like the, the <laughs> groomsmen. It would be like the festival of weddings. Oh, Rebecca's. Yeah. yeah. Rebecca would have the most extravagant. I think Danny's. I think I have being from Texas, I have been to a couple weddings featuring Hispanic (laughs) families and they slap. They are the best. The punch, remember the pre cheeky punch? Yes. (laughs) This one's extra cheeky. Mm -hmm. God, I love Danny Rojas so much. (laughs) Danny Rojas. What how far he's come. Just a brilliant comedic actor at this point. Like Mm -hmm. and he's he's a guy that was a former pro soccer player who got hurt and that's how he ended up like acting it's incredible i love it 
Um, Him and the actor who plays Isaac doing the video for the Miami Dolphins announcing their pick. So good. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I had to Um, hop in the Slack for the win that day and say, can you please use the actor's real name so it doesn't seem like we think their names are Isaac McAdoo and Danny (laughs) (laughs) That was the headline. It was Isaac McAdoo. It doesn't mention Ted Lasso, nothing. It's just these people. These two two professional soccer players are very real people. It's like the reverse of thinking that they're like ref- thinking that their characters are also them in real life, like that they they behave the exact same way um, as a certain subset of the lasso population does. With that being said, I think we're we're wrapped on season three, episode ten. Two more to go. We everyone go to for the win, bet for the win. Follow Alex and Caroline's social media. Subscribe to this show, and we'll see you next week with the penultimate episode of Ted Lasso. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.